Charles Spurgeon was a man that God used, and millions are still being impacted by his kingdom work. As we examine his life and ministry, we hope to strengthen today's church and bring glory to Christ. My name is Joel Littlefield, lead pastor of New City Church in Bath, Maine, and I'm joined by my brother in Christ, Josh Whitney. Welcome to the Spurgeon Maniacs podcast. of the next American Gospels? Uh, fall. I think it's fall. They're, are they doing like... Is it because they're just... It's a, They're so, traveling for all these interviews or is it because they're just... A lot actually happened because people heard about what they were doing and then started producing content and so now they've got content that they need to address in this content because of people oh, responding Lord. to it before it even came out. Um, Dr. Michael Brown came out with some things based on an interview that they had did. And then American Gospel did a promo video about it. And he's like, I don't think that represented me very well. And so he did a video. So then American Gospel came back and actually re-recorded something to like kind of get further into it. So uh, it's also coming out. Do you know how American Gospel 2 was released on AGTV in chapters? Yeah. That's how they're doing it. That's how they're going to do it. Okay. And then then when it's all done, they'll put it all in one video? I don't think so. No? No. Because it's going to be like five hours. No, 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 wait. Yeah. If you were to take all the chapters American Gospel 2 was all in one video. Originally. Oh, oh, oh they broke and it down they put and put it, it in AGTV in chapters. Now, I see. for the third one, they're going to do chapters. Okay. Because I think the total content, if they were to put it into one movie, mm-hmm. would be like almost five hours. I bet we could. I bet we can get Spurgeon Maniacs on AGTV. You think so? As talking heads? Dude, they've got podcasts on there. They got a bunch of different ones. That's they true. Some, they they got some cool a, stuff. They had the deconstructionist. We're better than them. Yeah, they got White Horse. <laughs> no, I, the yeah was not to that. I was I was just I was just agreeing with more like yeah, this would be but White Horse ends on there, right? Mm-hmm. Um they've got another another guy that's like a QA. Mike Winger. Mike Winger is on AGT. Did you not know that? Mike Winger is on AGTV. Oh wait, what do you mean? Like I'm talking about when you go onto the app on your TV, yes, and you start scrolling through, there are podcasts on AGTV. Oh, 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 oh But oh, I do oh. not think I've ever seen Mike. Winger no, no, no. There. He was in American Gospel too. Mike Winger? Yeah. What? Yeah. I missed it. Yeah, he had I probably several even, talking heads. I probably didn't even know who he was at the time. That's probably what Maybe. it was. Okay. Um, I was so excited because a, I love Mike Winger. B, it was someone who is not a reformed Calvinist, yeah. like just on like on the side of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he was tricked into it and be like, well, now everyone thinks Mike Wing is a Calvinist. Um, it was just great input because they were talking about the atonement because a lot of people hate substitutionary atonement. Yeah. And so that was a lot of his talking heads was talking about that. Hmm. And I thought he did a fantastic job. That's cool. Uh, in pure Mike Winger fa- fashion of just facts, nice. biblical exegesis, mm. 
wrong on the free will of man, but other than that, <laughs> solid guy. <laughs> it's, I think he's. I think he has a unique platform. Oh, hundred percent. He gets consistently regular. Regularly, he gets hundreds of thousands of views, but his videos are often two hours long. Yeah. That's that's pretty abnormal, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you look at all of these funny... T- une- oh, just, uni- I get tunny. frustrated with... Oh, <laughs> did I say that <laughs> You're again? like, look at all these uni- t- funny... T- <laughs> I don't know what I'm no, saying, no, no, it's good. Man. Oh, it's just geez. good. It just... Man, it's good talk. It's okay. So it's anyway, what, all of his what? They have, um, not his, but on YouTube, it's just so cluttered with all these annoying, like, weird clickbait titles of, is John MacArthur actually saved? And it's just someone talking about yeah. how someone disagreed with John MacArthur. I'm like, all right, come on. And it's like 10 minute segments of this kind of stuff. Yeah. So he's actually, he, so I'm watching his one on marriage, divorce and marriage. It's like over three hours long and he provides all of those video breakups which is really bad okay youtube wise yeah you want someone to start your video and then finish your video yeah if youtube sees that you're just like people are just clicking random things and it's like okay this isn't useful or beneficial we want other videos that people just stay glued into and then keep going and keep going and keep going and so in the video he goes i provided all these breakdowns so you can scroll through find the topic that you wanted to look at right now because i i don't it's not about youtube it's about being useful for you guys that's awesome and so he he's just being faithful popular it's popular if it's not popular it's not popular and he's just gonna continue Dude, he puts, doing he, he the puts stuff a ton that of work to. into these videos man yeah tons and tons of work that's awesome he d- he has uh um the roles of women mm-hmm. um you know your broader scope of of egalitarianism and complementarianism but i think he's at like eight videos right now totaling somewhere around 30 hours Oh my! On Lord. this one topic, wow! So he's yeah, man, he's great. That's awesome. Love that guy. Man. Cool. We should get he. He might well, we know tried. a lot about Spurgeon. We tried. I I mean I emailed. Oh, I did e- you? I emailed the ministry and uh, an admin or one of this. Uh, I don't know. Somebody got back and just said, appreciate the ask. He's got just too much stuff going on right now, and so he wouldn't have time to be on the podcast. So oh okay, but maybe someday. Maybe someday. Yeah, Mike. That'd be cool. Oh, Mike. Mike. Man, Mike, you done messed but up, Mike. Maybe we can get a different Mike. Maybe we just change our attitude and start being on the attack. Huh? You want to attack Mike Winger? Yeah. Let's do an attacks episode. Yeah. And then he'll have to respond and then be like, hey, Mike, I'm so glad you responded. We actually love you. We love you a lot. <laughs> That's awesome. Anyways, today we are talking about Spurgeon. Yeah. That was only a seven minute conversion. Answer. It's only seven minutes. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's awesome. That's so awesome. We're just gonna leave that all in. Yeah, we're gonna leave it all in. All in. Sorry. Spurgeon's conversion. The it's actually the, the Spurgeon version of the Spurgeon conversion. <laughs> that should be the title if it wasn't so long. Why not? Spurge. <laughs> Can you even say well, it? Well, I was gonna shorten it up, but I wasn't gonna. The Spurge Verge. <laughs> Okay, that just, <laughs> I was like, can I just shorten these words a little bit? And then in my mind, I'm like, nope, Wait, that's the wrong Are we going way. back to the Charles and Susanna episode? <laughs> the Spurgeon conversion story is what we're actually really happy to talk about, which is going to allow us to talk about very briefly, so to not have a two-hour podcast, uh, our stories, 
Mm. We'll get to share a little bit. You get to hear from us what our conversion stories sounded like. And then awesome opportunity for listeners to engage. We would love for you to share with us uh, your conversion stories. If you have the uh, desire to send us but an email. Joel, how would they do that? Oh, oh, in an email. <laughs> well, you could send us a letter. Dude, I would love to get letters. Mm. I really would, man. So, And if these are people listening to Spurgeon, it's probably in cursive. It's probably yeah. going to be... Okay, you know, yeah. I'm going to just do it. I'm going to give the I'm gonna just give the church office address. All right, so you, if you... Yeah, should I do that? Sure. <laughs> I know, that look was just to freak <laughs> you out. <gasps> We're going to get bombed. <laughs> We're Stop get- saying that on all of our episodes. <laughs> Did you hear that knock at the door, Josh? I think somebody just left a package at the door. <laughs> uh, so, so here's here it is. 72 Front Street, Suite 3A, Bath, Maine, 04578. Send letters. Man, that'd be so cool. Nobody's that would be that. cool. No one's going really to cool. do that. Gonna, well, send us money. I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't have to be Nobody. Um, yeah, no one's going to do it. I don't expect anyone to do it. No one's probably going to even think about doing it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, what are some other things we need? <laughs> we you, eat a lot of these uh, oven-roasted almonds, dark chocolate flavor by Blue say, Diamond. I, so send us a pack of that. Joe and Jimmy will just talk about stuff. And apparently, Joe gets stuff all the time. So, so, guys, so guys, step up your game. Come on. Do you like this podcast or not? Dude. I, Do you not... Do not touch the Lord's anointed. Did you see this? Instead, uh, we're done with stuff. banter. I was about to just—I was about to just go on another whole trail of the Spurgeon gifts that I got for my birthday. But you saw them, right? I did see yeah, them. I'm pretty happy. Mm-hmm, that was mm-hmm. very cool. Very, very I'm not excited. jealous at all. No, not that's at all. fine. I don't have a birthday coming up. I so did ask great. for the bobblehead, but I did not get that. I what want, a Spurgeon bobblehead? I wanted a Spurgeon bobblehead. My family had a hard time finding one. So if anybody knows uh, of a place to locate a Spurgeon bobblehead, send one for Josh and I. That'd yeah. be awesome. Or your 3D printer. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever. That's fine. Right. Whatever. Spurgeon conversion. Um, so let's let's get into this. All right. So every Christian has a conversion story, right? That's true. Yes. Every Christian has a conversion story. Yeah, but mine's not to... very good. Ah. Sorry. So that's why this next statement matters. Every Christian's conversion story is miraculous. Mm. Every single one. And though we're talking about the story of a famous preacher on this episode and that preacher is Charles Spurgeon his his story is actually no more meaningful than yours and then than mine or Josh's or anybody's and I think that's something that just needs to be said at the very onset of this episode I have struggled with this many have struggled with this in their past as a young Christian trying to figure out well I mean I've heard all these other stories they're so amazing this person did this that before they were in Christ this person did that and and their story is just so remarkable and mine it's so weak and yeah. so pathetic they were saved from all these things now they don't do them and, and I was saved from nothing I mean I the worst from, thing I yeah. did was I stole some Tic Tacs man from Rennie's it was horrible yeah, I was barely forgiven like really barely. there was nothing to forgive but all of that is just a complete misunderstanding of the gospel mm. and the and the state of sin that we were in and the depravity of the human heart. So let's just put put all that aside. But we do want to share with you Spurgeon's story, and we can talk about that a little bit. Hopefully, you enjoy it. Maybe you've already heard it, but we're gonna just use that as a platform to talk about conversion a little bit. So here's his story. Spurgeon grew up in a Christian home, had extremely loving parents, um, extremely loving parents, super loving to the <laughs> to the extreme. <laughs> I don't know why I had 
I mean, extremely, extremely loving parents who taught him the gospel from a young age. That's all through Sp- the history about Spurgeon from a, from a young age. All of his children, all of his siblings, not his children. And they his weren't ch- there yet. They weren't there yet. Yeah. yeah. They were the but eventually apple his of children. his eye. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, but they were taught the gospel. He admits actually in several places when you research this, this that there were actually many impressions made on his life that contributed to his salvation um, for before what he would consider his true regeneration, his conversion story that happened at 15. But there were many impressions, and I thought it'd be worth bringing up because he specifically brings up his mother. He knows that his mom prayed for him. Mm. He had all sorts of opportunities to hear the gospel, to be taught the gospel. There were books around his life. There were, there were Christians that were pouring into him, all kinds of things. And so he says that she would pray, or yeah, she, uh, this is from a, a source that I grabbed. She would pray for him, instruct him in the scriptures, and implore he and his siblings to rest their souls upon Jesus. And this is mm. the, the childhood that he grew up in. At 10 or 11 years old, Spurgeon says that it's when he began to experience conviction of sin for the first time. So he recognizes that at, it was a later age that he understood. They began to really feel the weight of or conviction that something's wrong with uh, my my sinful state, um, that I am a sinner. He even wrestled, believe it or not, with atheism. We probably should do an episode on that. He wrestled with atheism at one point in his life, according to his own biography. Actually admits that he kind of went down that path of even saying, what if there is no God? What if there is no Christ? But he didn't go that far. But it is interesting that Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, wrestled with atheism at one point in his life. But... There is this one famous story that it stands out, and here's how it goes. This is from Spurgeon himself. I sometimes think I might have been in darkness and despair now, had it not been for the goodness of God in sending a snowstorm on a Sunday morning when I was going to a place of worship. When I could go no further, I turned down a court and came to a little primitive Methodist chapel. In that chapel, there might be a dozen or 15 people. The minister did not come that morning snowed up, I suppose, a poor man, a shoemaker, a tailor, or something of that sort, went up into the pulpit to preach. He was obliged to stick to his text for the simple reason that he had nothing else to say. (laughs) The text, yeah, (laughs) good reason. The text was, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. He did not even pronounce the words rightly, Hmm. but that did not matter. He had not much to say, thank God, for the, that compelled him to keep on repeating his text, and there was nothing needed by me at any rate except his text. I remember how he said, My dear friends, this is a very simple text indeed. It says, Look. Now, looking don't take a deal of pain. It ain't lifting your foot. <laughs> now listen. I'm not going to talk in an Exeter accent because I have no idea what that means because he brings it up later. Yeah. But this is how he's smelling it. If <laughs> It ain't lifting your foot or your finger. It's just look. Well, a man needn't go to college to learn to look. You may be the biggest fool, and yet you can look. A child can look. One who is almost an idiot can look. However weak or however, however poor a man may be, he can look. And if he looks, the promise is that he shall live. He went on in this broad Essex accent. Many on ye are looking to yourselves. <laughs> that was almost Southern. 
Many y'all, many, <laughs> many y'all look many, to your sales. Listen, y'all just looking to your sales. Um, but it's no use looking there. You'll never find any comfort in yourselves. Some say, look to God, the Father. No, look to Him by and by. It's Christ that speaks. I am in the garden in an agony, pouring out my soul unto death. I am on the tree, dying for sinners. Look unto me, he says, speaking of Christ. I rise again. Look unto me. I ascend into heaven. Look unto me. I'm sitting at the Father's right hand. O poor sinner, look unto me. Look unto me, some of ye say. We must wait for the Spirit's working. You have no business with that just now. Look to Christ, the text says. Look unto me. All right. That's a lot. That's a I preacher know. right That's there. That's a lot. Right. Preacher. But he isn't it funny that he's like, didn't really have much to say. And he kind of, you know, wasn't worth listening to <laughs> except for the text. Yeah. It's those only, three minutes were those. better than 40 minutes I've heard of other preachers. Exactly. Exactly. So then this is what, uh, this is, this is the, the remainder of it from Spurgeon. I saw at once the way of salvation. I know not what else he said. I did not take much notice of it. I was so possessed with that one thought, like as when the brazen serpent was lifted up. The people only looked and were healed. So it was with me. I had been waiting to do 50 things, but when I heard that word, look, what a charming word it seemed to me. Oh, I could have looked until I could almost have looked my eyes away. There and then the cloud was gone. The darkness had rolled away. And that moment I saw the sun and I could have risen that instant and sung with the most enthusiastic of them of the precious blood of Christ and the simple faith which alone looks to him. Oh, that somebody had told me this before. Trust Christ and you shall be saved. Hey everyone, this will only take a second of your time to tell you about our conference and a special deal. Our conference is officially official. That means our first annual Spurgeon Conference will be held at New City Church, 150 Congress Ave, Bath, Maine on May 26th and 27th. The first night's going to include an opening to the conference, dinner, and a live recording of Spurgeon Maniacs. The next day will be packed with sessions from James Renahan, Jeff Chang, Ed Romine, and our very own Joel Littlefield. We're going to have giveaways, we're going to have lunch, coffee, and wonderful fellowship with the saints. Those of you listening to this podcast get a special promo code. Go to our link in the show notes to our Eventbrite page and type in the promo code SPURGEPOD. That's S-P-U-R-G-E-P-O-D, and you will get $20 off that ticket price. We hope to see you all there. Now back to the podcast. Josh, lay on some scriptures, man. Take take some time and let's just hear some words from God about conversion, about salvation, whatever whatever the spirit leads. Yeah, so I I'm almost feeling as if, as though this would be just a great opportunity to talk about the gospel itself, yeah. just in case a someone could be listening to this who's never heard it, and he's just maybe doing a research project on Charles Spurgeon or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the gospel is not only for those outside of Christ, mm-hmm. but deeply rooted for all of us in Christ. Mm-hmm. So, First Corinthians 15, and we're just going to start in verse one. 
Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Mm. Uh, Then he appeared to James and all the apostles, Last of all, as to one ultimately born, he appeared also to me. Mm. Um, This gospel is first and foremost. I I loved Paul Washer when he said that it does not matter where he goes. If he is preaching somewhere for the very first time, it is always the gospel. Mm -hmm. To take assumption that everyone who hears him um, or people in the church are saved is... uh, is a, is I think an assumption that pastors and preachers shouldn't take mm-hmm. um, to just assume that everyone around you is saved. And so let's move on from that subject. But the gospel is so, so important. It is of first importance, as Paul says, it's how we were saved. It's what keeps us, it's what keeps us saved in the sense of the doctrine of it. Mm-hmm. And so we look to it continuously um, and is what keeps us going. It is what's sanctifying us Amen. that, uh, that Jesus himself would become, and that's where I was going to go to next, that Jesus himself would become sin on our behalf. Um, Romans 4, uh, as it talks about Abraham, and it talks about um, uh, his, his faith in that, we come to the very end of the chapter, starting in 23, but the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses for our justification. Mm, amen. Um, and why is this justification so needed? Is because of our sin. It is because we are so sinful. Romans three. Uh, Romans three. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Mm. And what does that say of, of what the world tries to say today? That man is man is at its heart good. Yeah. Like how can you say they like they are lovingly serving their own deity in Islam and mm. in Buddha and in all these things like isn't isn't their faith worth something? Mm. No. Yeah, right. Their faith is not worth anything mm. because their faith is in themselves. Yeah. Um the truth is out there. Later on in Romans 3 all have all have sinned, fallen short of the of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Um so what is what what is then our hope? It's what we read in First Corinthians when Jesus came preaching, the kingdom of God is at hand. Amen. That is the gospel. Everything else is beautiful and wonderful, but the gospel is very clear and very specific in what its message is, and it is that. I was trying to find in John three. We obviously we we love John three sixteen that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. 
If I had told you earthly things, talking to Nicodemus, and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Hmm. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And if you remember that story, the thing that was harming Israel at that time were these serpents because of their disobedience. And so what was the thing that was lifted up to find um, healing and salvation? But a serpent Mm. because Christ became the curse that was inflicted on us so that we could have that salvation. So that is why we preach Christ. That is Mm -hmm. why we share the gospel. That is why we try and convert the world. Um, Obviously, as Spurgeon and as we are, we believe God ultimately does that work, but he has called us. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. So God has entrusted that work to us, but the results are in his hands. So we get to see this beautiful message, this beautiful gospel given to us to share to the world so that other people could have this glorious story that we just read from Charles Spurgeon. Awesome. Yeah. So that's, that's, I love that you went back there first and that'll give us a springboard into the conversation about conversion. So obviously without that work of Christ and the finished work of the gospel, his death, burial and resurrection, then there is no salvation. But because that is there and Christ did come to actually die for uh, his people, then Charles Spurgeon on that day as a 15-year-old boy could put his faith in the buried, the killed, buried, and risen Christ mm. um, who then is, became his salvation. So this, the content of, of the rest of this episode, I think we should commit to than the actual conversion. So what are we talking about when we say someone is converted to Christ? Someone is converted to Christianity. There's a regeneration that happens. And so I think there's a couple scriptures I'll just mention. Actually, earlier in John 3, um, where you were, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he mm. cannot see the kingdom of God. That scripture is talking about conversion. Ephesians 2, 1, You were dead in your trespasses and sins, but later on it says, You have been made alive together in Christ. That's conversion, mm. the making alive. That happened here at that little church, Methodist church, as Spurgeon was listening to this primitive preacher. Colossians 2.13, when you were dead in your trespasses, your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven Mm. us all our transgressions. And there's, and there's so many more, but even if we were, so if we were to just focus on that thought for a moment, um, Spurgeon claims that there in that church was his conversion, yet he grew up in the church and he grew up around Christians and he had even been told about Christ, but that was the moment that he came alive in Christ and his eyes were open. I think that's often the frustration of so many people when they think about conversion is that if it is completely a work of God, then I can do nothing. So parents are frustrated with unsaved children, uh, unsaved family members, friends, um, neighbors, and it's ultimately a work of God. They can hear the gospel, the very same thing that you mentioned over and over and over again, but without Christ's spirit regenerating the heart, there is no conversion. True. So what is your conversion story? Uh, It's... So I, I, I've put my faith that the Lord saved me when he did. Um, I say that because I have probably what 
a lot of kids built up, in, uh, grown up in the church mm-hmm. have, um, especially pastors' kids. My parents tell me, because I do not remember, my parents tell me I was four years old when I accepted Christ, um, which is my first this might be a hard saying for that for some, uh, especially my parents, but that's my first inclination that I wasn't saved at four years old. Hey, mm-hmm. not that you, you have remember. to have perfect memory of this. Cause what about people with health issues and mental stability? So I get that, but, but to not be able to look upon it, remember it. So anyways, they say I was four years old, went into their bed because I was terrified of hell and I wanted to ask Jesus into my heart. Um, so that's what happened when I was four years old. And that, I don't mean to brush by that so much. I just don't remember it. So I can't give you a great story about it. <laughs> but so I grew up as a pastor's kid, uh, similar to Charles Spurgeon in that sense. His grandfather was a pastor. Mm-hmm. My mom's father was a pastor. My dad was a pastor for a while. And uh, so constantly in church. And it was my senior year of high school where I, I think I finally realized the depths of my sin Mm. that I can't just, I can't just go to church. I can't just know that sin is bad and then ask for forgiveness of sin. But it was my senior year of high school when I realized like there's this, this means something more than just being as good as you can attending the church things that your parents tell you to attend. And then, um, you know, just, just do it, do it the best you can. So, uh, I think I got baptized when I was seven or eight. Again, I don't remember that. You my don't remember parents, your baptism either. No, my parents yep. tell me I was baptized when I was like seven or eight. I have a weird memory of being in in a church building in front of a whole bunch of people. But to be honest, I just don't remember. Mm-hmm. So that, that senior year, um, when I came this, cause all this happened at a, at a youth retreat. So when I came home that summer, I was baptized. And then later that year, um, just because I felt the Lord's calling, I went to Bible school. I started an internship with Josh Cousineau. Josh mm-hmm. Cousineau, if you're listening, shout out, brah. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, the and, and I would say like everything, everything changed from that point. I was mm. not perfect, but, but my life, my direction, why, just that answer, that question of why everything changed from that point. So I point to that as okay. my, as my conversion again, nice. trusting the Lord with what he did. Maybe, yeah. maybe he did save me at four and then, and then just continually worked in my heart showing mm. me like, it's not about church. Yeah. It's, it's about Christ. And obviously church plays a role into that, yep. but showing me that way. So that is my long convoluted story of of, of what good, that man. is. What Ulti- about you? Yeah. Uh, it's ultimately the Lord only knows as well for me too. Um, but I, I think I have a clearer picture, but I also, re- I also reject a earlier, uh, interaction that I had at six years old as being my conversion story, though I did say the classic sinner's prayer that my mother walked me through. Um, I repeated after her, got really excited. I remember, I remember even telling friends about it. I told a couple kids in my neighborhood that day, I'm a Christian now. Do you want to be one? <laughs> like I even did that. Like, Hey, you want to go to heaven? Let's go. Um, we got on our bikes and we're like, let's go. No, no, I don't think <laughs> we drove into the yeah. sunset. <laughs> Off into the sunset we went. Uh, no, but the, and the reason I would reject that is because one, there was no, uh, genuine understanding of sin um, or repentance. And there certainly was no discipleship. So if I was, um, then God only knows. And he was amazingly gracious to sustain me. And, but, but I, but I also know my life from that year six up until my actual, what I would call my, my conversion. Um, 
because I know my life and my and my sin, and I was a I was a horrible rotten kid, and I pretended to be a Christian. Viper out of diapers. Who? Viper out of diapers. Don't know what that is. Viper and Viper but, and diapers. You don't know that? Oh, no, famous Votie Bauckham. Oh, really? Quote that everybody hates. Oh, Viper out of diapers. Oh, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I got you. Got you. Got you. Yeah, no, no, that's true. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. Um, but no, I, I, I know my own rebellion, and I, I did rotten things. Yeah. Um, and it's not that it's just the rotten things that that send a person to hell. I mean, it's the inner inner heart. It's the condition of the heart that is full of sin, mm. um, regardless of what comes out or what your behavior is. That's why the goody two shoe, as well as the the raging criminal mm. outside of Christ, is still in need of a savior. Yep. And will end up die if they die in their sins. Will will go. Will be judged. Will be. To, will go to hell. So at seventeen, I would say it was at sixteen or seventeen is when I was regenerated, and it was it was very much around hearing the preaching of the word, and I don't think I ever had a convicting thought other than just being sorry for my sin, mm. like with my parents or whoever else I offended. But really understanding that my sin was offensive to God came at a moment uh, at a concert. Um, uh, and, and if you saw Jeremy Camp's story, mm, um, in yeah. that story, there's a band called The Cry. And it's the, it's the band that actually gave Jeremy Camp the opportunity to play. They're the ones that kind of made him, gave him a platform and made him famous. Oh. But anyway, early 2000s, uh, late, mid-2000s or whatever it was, um, they, they came and did a concert and they gave this, yeah, they gave an altar call. <laughs> <laughs> Good old altar call. But what they had did, what they did was they they talked genuinely about the need to repent of your sin and turn to faith in Jesus Christ. And they had just said, if there if there are anybody if there's anybody in this room that wants that needs to do that, you feel the conviction of the Lord upon your life, and and you want to repent of your sin and turn to Christ, then we'd love to pray with you. It was simple like that. And I remember like just weeping and like feeling the weight going forward and then saying, that's it. I'm following Jesus, um, for the rest of my life. And, and I have, so praise God for that. And I think, so that was, that was a definitely a moment. And I would say similar to Spurgeon, there were, there were things that took place throughout the rest of my life that I think built up to that. Mm. A mother who prayed for me, people that would share scripture with me, a grandmother who took us to VBS, all these things were just instilling in me. Um, so I think all of that kind of leads to it. But we all have our own conversion story. They're yeah. all different. You might be listening to this, and you might be thinking, yeah, I can top both of those because, man, I was a raging sinner. And that might be true. Might be true. But I think what we want to emphasize in this is that when it comes to regeneration by the Holy Spirit and true conversion, really the story, the only reason it matters is because God may use that to help you relate to somebody that you're going to share the gospel with later on. It, nobody is more more worthy of the gospel because of the, the the gravity of their sin. Nobody becomes more of a candidate for salvation because they were a, a worse sinner. Mm. Um, it does go to ex, uh, display the great mercy of God, and I think somebody who has been shown much love then in their converted state will love people more like that will certainly have an effect on you later in life, mm-hmm. how you how you witness and how you are merciful to people. But that being said, what is the most important thing that a Christian should remember when recalling their conversion story? So we have all the, these details. What's the most important thing to remember um, as you're thinking back and, th- and, and looking on the story? What do you think? So uh, I, I think... 
part of it is probably in in the fact of the Lord's Supper. We talked about that last time, like remembering the death of Christ. Yeah. Um, that's that's the focal point, and that's why Scripture tells us mm. that we take communion is to remember his death. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think of, uh, I, I was just trying to find it. I think it's second Peter to, he tells us to remember your baptism. Mm. And I think those two things are supposed to be linked together. Sure. I don't think those are two separate memories, but remember, like remember what basically remember what happened to you. Remember the acceptance of Christ's death mm-hmm. and remember that change of life because we also believe that our natures our natures changed we were we were we were in a nature of our own sin uh i don't know is nature changed the right way of what i'm trying to communicate but basically we believe that we were in our sin serving our sin and now christ gave us a heart of flesh Mm -hmm. took out the heart of stone gave us a heart of flesh and now we live in the spirit mm-hmm. and we live in the power of the spirit. So that's more what I mean by that. Yeah. 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 No, that's good. I think, um, so yeah, you said looking back on his, on the, on the death, right. That, that would be a, an important part of remembering your conversion conversion story. And so I think you can even take that and say for somebody to rejoice in their conversion, when you're thinking about conversion, you're remembering the state of sin that you were in, mm-hmm. regardless of what that outward behavior looked like. A proper biblical understanding of the scriptures is that your sin nature made you unworthy. Yeah. Right. Your sin yep. nature is what caused you to be worthy of judgment, your separation from God. But then you can immediately then look at the death. So it was the payment that was made for you. And so how that then applies to your life at your conversion is the work of the Holy Spirit, John chapter 3, being born again by the Spirit. That's mm. God's work. He, mm. he does that so every single Christian can look back on their conversion story and simply just mark that moment. Even if you can't pin, pinpoint the exact date and time, you can rejoice and say, there was a time when the Holy Spirit secretly and mysteriously moved upon my heart apart right. from any prompting from me. And he saved me. Yep. That's miraculous for every single person that is born again. <laughs> it is. That means that everybody can rejoice in their conversion. So yeah. I, I, part of why I wanted to do this episode is because I don't want anybody to be thinking they don't have a good conversion story. Yeah. Like it's not weak sauce <laughs> to be a Christian <laughs> and not have a horrible pr- prison drug addiction background. Yeah. It's not useless that those were if those were part of your history before christ but it's also certainly certainly not a reason to boast right do you know what so the first thing i think of when i hear people talking about like a poor conversion story what's that is i think of rc sproul during that q a when someone asks so if god is so loving and god is so merciful why was the punishment for adam and eve in the garden so severe Mm. and there's this awkward silence and then rc goes Wait, 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 wait. Time out. Is the question is, and he explains the question, then he goes, why was it so severe? And then he goes, what we should be asking is, why wasn't it exponentially worse? Mm-hmm. And then he goes, and then that famous line of R.C. Sproul, he, he kind of looks at the audience and maybe a little bit of righteous indignation in his eyes. You can see he's visibly upset and he goes, what's wrong with you people? 
Yeah. And as people and, and people kind of chuckled a little bit and then he goes, no, I'm serious. That's the problem we have today. We have mm. no idea who we are and we have no idea who God is. Wow. And, and it got serious fast. So people like to be like, Oh, what's wrong with you people? Uh, and I've seen it on mugs and it's like, yeah, that was funny, but he had a really good point. Yeah, he did. Like, that's a really good point to think, why why did God punish Adam and Eve so severely is somewhat similar to I just don't I wasn't I just don't really have I don't have that good of a conversion story. I'm like mm-hmm. you must again. This is not judgment on them because mm-hmm. I, I, I think that God is working in their heart. Maybe they just don't have the right terminology, the right, the right way of thinking of this. But that means you have a very low view of your sin. Yeah. And you have a very low view of God yeah. to think that he barely saved you. Right. right. Um, so that's that's the thing I think of when I hear people say that they don't have a good. And so I don't want to like bomb and be like, how could you possibly say that? But I want to use that opportunity to go, well, let's look at our sin together. Mm. So God came down out of glory in human flesh to walk with us. To be ridiculed, mocked, hated, judged, um, uh, uh, unjustly murdered, had God's wrath poured on him in some miraculous way. We don't know what being being out of perfect again, how that exactly happened, being looked away from from the father also that we could have life. Mm-hmm you must have done something somewhat bad in order right. for that to be the means in which you were saved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think ours, what you're saying about RC just does show that we have a messed up idea of regeneration and conversion. Something is different between the, our, our day now and let's say the Puritans or even mm. further back in history, first, the first, first few centuries, the Bible, the book of Acts, the gospels, a, a completely different. Go. So what, just in thinking about what's happened to this idea of conversion and regeneration, I think a part of it is ha, has to do with some pretty bad preaching. Sure. I think uh, there's history of a guy named Charles Finney um, that came, mm. came along after Charles Spurgeon. Um, the but hot seat. Well, the hot seat and uh, a, a, a gospel that caused people to um, feel like their salvation was tied to an action. Um, rather mm. than tied and tethered to the cross of Christ and um, regeneration by the Spirit, that would accom- accompanying that would be things like repentance, true repentance from sin, not just a knee jerk decision, but um, a, a true brokenness, yeah. brokenness over your sin, and a turning to Christ, having repented of your sin, laying it all aside, and turning to Christ to love Him uh, supremely. So. Mm. Um, I just thought it'd be good to just highlight maybe what are some, what are, what are, what what do we have working against this idea right now in our culture and in the church and Christians really, I don't know, uh, embracing the beauty of the Bible's explanation of regeneration. Why don't, what's the, what's the rub, man? Like, what's the rub? <laughs> what's the rub? I'm trying to get it out. Yeah. Like, there's a problem. People don't embrace this. Nobody yeah. nobody talks about regeneration. No. They talk about getting saved. Yeah. And yeah. what is that? Uh, choices. I think we live in a society of, 
of decision, of time, of comfort. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first century church, when the Lord ascended, was not in a position that we are in today. Mm. Um, It's funny, the Babylon Bee, did you see the video they released right around Easter? No. It's great. And they put a tagline on the video of like of what atheists must believe Christians think. And it was all of the disciples gather around a fire. And one of them, I forget who, one of them goes, okay, so we know Jesus died. This is pretty, this is pretty bummed. Like we're all pretty bummed out about this, but I've got a plan. I've got a plan on how to get us back on top. And like, all right, tell it. What is it? All right. We are going to go to the tomb. We're going to steal the body of Jesus and then be martyred for our faith. And everyone starts shouting and yelling. And then a guy's like, well, wait, can you go through that? And it's, it's a really <laughs> funny video of, of awesome. what, what people must think. Anyways, all that to say, they had a very, very big decision in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, was this real? And are they going to die for it? Or is, or is this all just a sham? Today, we kind of look through that, and, and I think we do something similar, except we go, I, just may, I don't know, I guess I'll make that decision later. We have this immense freedom mm-hmm. in this country, and we're so soft as to think death is not at our doorstep. Right. Um, so... I, I think that's going along the <laughs> the path of your question. Yeah, no, uh, for sure. Yeah, I just think I just think we're so soft that we think that. Yeah, that that all of these things are up to us yeah. because we can go to whatever restaurant we want, we can go to whatever grocery store we want, we can pick whatever movie we want. That we're just instilled in our brains of it's really up to you on what you want. This is what you, what is it that you want? Well, I think I want to be saved. Well, then you should say this prayer. Yeah. There's definitely a, a softening and, uh, it, and it's, it, uh, it's, I think it's the, the fault of a lot of pastors, um, unwilling to just speak and preach hard truth mm-hmm. and to say that, um, a, a truly regenerated person is going to have certain things and, and it's going to be things like repentance you're going to repent and turn from sin. Yep. If you are in Christ, you will not love the sin that you, well, you will hate the sin you once loved. Yep. And you will love the Savior that you once hated. Yeah. And I, th- I don't think that that's necessarily pushed, um, predominantly. No. It's like you said, more of a feeling. And so, signs of true conversion. What should we look at? Repentance. Repentance for yep. sure. Yeah. Love for the Savior. You will love God. Yeah. And you will keep his commandments. Yeah. Right? That's what that's what Jesus said. Yep. Um, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I think love of Christ should be at the heart of a converted person. Yeah. Truly regenerate. If you don't love Jesus. And we do live in a kingdom. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't live in a voter's democracy mm-hmm. as far as like God is concerned. Mm-hmm. So does does Jesus reign and rule over your life? Mm-hmm. Or do you allow him to make the spiritual moral choices of your life? Mm. Um, I think that's another thing. That's that's a sign of a true conversion. So I love, I love asking people about Christ. Uh, it's kind of one of those Christianese things mm-hmm. that I like to do mm-hmm. because people know Jesus. I feel like those who love to serve the Lord 
don't know, for some reason, just use Jesus Christ or talk about Christ. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and if that's not a biblical thing, I don't say that's a litmus test for all Christians, but yeah. you just kind of, uh, hearing the way people talk about him, do they serve him? Um, honestly, like how much do you know of the word? Like, what do you believe of, of the Bible? Yeah. I think our marks of a true, mm-hmm. a true believer, true conversion is a love for God's word yeah. and a, and a desire to know it, mm-hmm. not a desire to be able to quote, like just kind of quote your favorite sayings, but a desire to know like what God's word says. Right. What do you think? I've talked way too much. No, no, you're, you're good. I was, I was thinking about Romans 10. Uh, so I was going to kind of move in the direction of um, how do we, how do we pray for and think about the unconverted? And I think that helps us when you think about how you pray for someone who isn't in Christ and who is not a Christian yet, it does help you to understand true conversion because mm-hmm. when you pray for the unconverted, you are praying to God to save the unconverted. Mm. You're not praying to the person to make a better decision. Yeah. You're not pleading with the person. You're actually pleading with God. So true prayer is to God. And if it's for a sinner to be saved, then it's on behalf of that sinner to have the work of the spirit move upon that person's life to convert them to saving faith. And so what is at the heart of conversion? It's the work of the Holy spirit. Where does conversion take place? It's at the preaching of the gospel. So if we're concerned with salvation, if we're concerned with true conversion, then we are going to preach the gospel and the gospel is going to be clear. And we can trust that when we preach the gospel to the unconverted, that that's the situation or the circumstances in which we're going to see the spirit work. Mm-hmm. I think that's how we need to think. So, um, yeah, so Paul says, how can they call on him whom they have not believed? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. But not all obeyed the gospel. Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes from the message about Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Yes, they did. And then he goes on, um, And actually, is it previously where he says, yeah, he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he goes into this idea of preaching the gospel. So Mm. salvation, regeneration, and conversion is tied to the preaching of the gospel. Yeah. So that's, I think, what we need to concern ourselves with. If we want to see true regeneration and conversion in our churches and in our families and around us, the gospel has to be present. Yep. The true gospel. What you mentioned in Corinthians, the death, burial, and resurrection, all the way through to the work of the Holy Spirit to save and, and change people's lives, all of that needs to be present. Absolutely. Yep. And from the Word, too. I have a lot of people out there who are uh, wanting to disassociate words like Bible, God's Word, and kind of just talk about the, the blessings of what Jesus is. But it, it is the Word. Yeah. I mean, you just read it from, from Romans 10. It is the Word preached. Amen. And that is what saves. And it takes people to preach that word. That's right. So don't stop short of what Scripture seems to lay out as true regeneration and conversion. Mm. If someone is not displaying the, the evidences of a converted heart, which would be repentance from sin, we, we wouldn't even want to, to say that they are a Christian. Mm. We do people a disservice. Yeah. Um, but we are aiming for conversion. Mm. I want to see people come to Christ. Don't you? Do you? I do. You do? Me too. I think that would be great. I do too. Yeah. And I love Spurgeon's story. 
He gave us a great platform to talk about this. Yeah. Look to Christ. Look to Christ. Just in that moment, man. And he was just, there it was. Nothing else mattered. Mm. I, I, want, I want to see Jesus made beautiful in people's, in people's perspectives, in their eyes. Nothing but Christ. Amen. Nothing. Amen. I did the whole preacher thing. Amen. Yeah. Amen. amen. You better amen. say amen because I said amen with a question mark. Amen. Are y'all sleeping out there? I said amen. I said amen. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we were going so strong. Oh, no. man. That was great. That was good, brother. Awesome. Cool. Well, do you want to close out? Let's land the or plane. Or do you want me to? Let's land this plane. Let's land the plane. Yeah. There's ways to contact us. You could reach out to us through email. That is podcast at SpurgeonManiacs.com. That would be awesome. We'd love to hear from you on that platform. And Facebook, Facebook. Spurgeon Maniacs, Mm -hmm. public page and private page. Public page is where we're keeping you guys informed. We're releasing our episodes. We let you know what's going on. Private page is where you guys will be able to interact with one another. That's right. And uh, discuss these awesome topics. And since you're listening to this podcast on a podcast player, you might as well go and subscribe if you haven't yet. And then, and then just go into the little review section. Click on the star to give us a five star review, but then also click on the little one that says write a review. review. And so we'd love to hear a good, positive review. Honest, five star. Positive review, excellent review about. And if it's a dishonest five star review, then just just do the stars. Yeah, keep it to yourself. (laughs) (laughs) And then our Patreon, Patreon, love for you guys to support us through there. We'll be able to get a lot more coming. We will be uh, able to do a lot of those things up front because you guys are supporting us. That would be best. So you guys can go to Patreon.com and search in Spurgeon Maniacs or all of these are in the show notes below. Including our Eventbrite page, which is where you will register for the Spurgeon Maniacs conference for May 26th and 27th. So you need to do that. If you haven't yet, go and register so we can see you at the conference. And not just you, Jeff Chang, Jamie right. Sernahan, Ed Romine, all the wonderful people. Don't yep. delay. That's right. And I think the music is probably rolling, so we should go. We should. Oh, there it is. Yep. Yep. I can hear it now. Boom. We should go. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. See ya.